And as, as horrible and as heartbreaking as it is, and it's been so hard for us to see the disaster everywhere, we can say Christ remains. Welcome to Footnotes, a behind-the-scenes look at what we value and why it matters here at Little Church in Glendora, California. My name is Stephen Koppenrath. I'm one of the pastors on staff, and I am your host. All right, well, Marwan, uh, so excited to have you um, on here, man. It throws me back to um, kind of pre-COVID, pre-craziness of 2020, uh, because just for everybody listening and, and maybe not aware of this, Kate and I actually had the opportunity to visit you and Marcy uh, pretty much right before this lockdown started um, for us in the States in March. Yeah, no, it's funny because we chatted since then, but also just we kind of both have that that memory, right, in, in our in our lives. It's like this this was kind of like the last thing we did. You were our last guest coming through. Yeah, uh, I even think about we went down to Tyre and Sidon. Mm-hmm. Did we make it to Tyre or just Sidon? No, we went to both. Yeah, but I mean, I I remember you know saying, oh, should I bring the family along? Just depending on you know coordinating all these things, and we just I remember being so thankful because yeah. that was our last family outing for a long time. You know, for so sure. so to be able to do that. And getting to know you guys was uh, just a, a real treat. So yeah, yeah we're thankful for that. It was a joy for us too. And, and just some further context for for the, our podcast. Um, so, as a part of our network of Acts Twenty Nine, um, my wife Katie and I had the chance to do a, just a quick kind of flyby trip in early twenty twenty. Um, so we stopped in India and Dubai, and in one of our favorite cities, Beirut, Lebanon, where Marwan yep. is an Acts Twenty Nine church planner. And so um, really kind of our hope for 2021 um, is to begin supporting Marwan and his wife Marcy and their church in Beirut through our To the End of the Earth campaign um, as they continue to do gospel work in uh, City Bible Church. So for those, uh, so for those of you at Foothill Church who are giving, um, who have pledged to give, uh, Marwan is an example of who we get to invest our time and resources into and uh, just build relationships with as well. And so, yeah, like Marwan was mentioning, we really enjoyed our time uh, together. They were awesome hosts. And uh, we can't wait to go back one day and eat some more Lebanese food as soon as possible. So, oh man, yeah, would would love that. Look forward to it for sure. For sure. So yeah, enough for me. I'm excited to introduce you and your family, and the ministry you're doing uh, in Beirut to our church. And so they've seen a video or two already in the fall. Um, some of some people may even follow you guys on social media, but. Uh, tell us about yourself. Let's start with your your family. Yeah, sure. Um, like I said, um, my name is Marwan, married to Marcy. We just celebrated 10 years of marriage in August, August 3rd. Awesome. Um, we've lived most of our married life together outside of the States. So, of course, we spent our lives in the U.S. That's where I grew up. That's where she was born. Um, got married in two, 2010. And then 2014, uh, we moved to Dubai for a couple of years uh, with a, kind of a, the focus of transitioning here into Lebanon to see this church planted. So we moved from the U.S. without any kids. Uh, Noah, our five-year-old, was born in Dubai. Um, and Shaya, three-year-old, was born here in Beirut. And so we're a family of four. Yeah, we're, we're thankful uh, for the Lord's kindness to give us our family and to, to allow us to be here uh, in this time. You know, it's something we've considered a lot. Uh, but yeah, we've been in Lebanon now for four years. Uh, I pastor City Bible Church, uh, which was planted in, it was Palm Sunday of 2018. It's kind of our first official Sunday morning. From then, we've been kind of meeting on Sunday mornings regularly. Just had a members meeting this past Sunday, voting in some people, voting out some. We're at 25 members. Uh, on average, we're probably 40 to 50 adults on a Sunday morning. That's great, man. And just going back to your family a little bit, your, your, your kiddos, uh, Shine and Noah, are so, are so awesome. Uh, it was a joy to be able to not only get to know you and Marcy, but to be able to, to hang out in the city and uh, see your family. 
um, at play and, and hang out with you guys. Take us back a little bit further. Um, you know, I, I think thinking about before Dubai and just even your time in the States, you know, how did God call you into ministry? There's, there's some people who um, honestly have never uh, maybe talked to somebody who's a church planner in that area of the world, um, maybe yeah. just hearing from someone like you for the first time. So how did, how did you kind of end up, maybe the short story, short version of it, of how do you end yeah. up planning a church in the Middle East? Yeah, sure thing. Uh, so I was born in uh, 1983. Is that short? Is that too far back? Or is it, I'll start from the very beginning, right? We'll, we'll, we'll so, see how, the, how fast that goes from there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll fast forward pretty quickly. But I, I mentioned that to say that I was, I was born here in the Middle East. I was born in Kuwait. My father's Lebanese and Palestinian. My mom's Iraqi. Uh, but we had our uh, my grandparents moved to San Diego. So actually, I, I grew up in Southern California. That's why I, we, we sound alike, uh, maybe, or to some degree, right? Southern California. Right. Uh, n- non-accent in california we don't have an accent for sure um and so we're actually on vacation in san diego in 1990 then the war started in kuwait and so iraq invaded kuwait uh, actually the day before we were to fly back uh, they, they invaded and so we weren't able to fly back so i, I grew up in san diego which is god's kindness uh, wow. i grew up in, yeah. a, in a catholic family uh and so uh, nominal were believers i knew who jesus was but didn't you know didn't, didn't understand him didn't understand the cross the gospel anything um and at a young age uh, the lord made himself known to me i uh, used my my auntie my mom's youngest sister to you know share the gospel and, and, the, and the love of christ and uh, so the lord saved me at a young age then just eventually started going to church um early teenage years i think we started finally going to church and uh, to kind of fast forward it was in my college years after serving in youth ministry and college ministry and just just loving the church, uh, the, the Lord stirred up my heart. And, and I think I shared it with you the way I normally say it is that my eyes were open to lostness in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, surely we know there's people, right, who live and die without knowing Christ. We were impacted. We watch a video. We hear a song or a testimony. But it's, that's usually the extent of it, right? You kind of are, are moved for a little bit. And sure. then... Things kind of go on, uh, but but there's this this time, uh, second year, third year of college that just I was impacted, and, and there was no turning back, um, and and so it seems like that was a, a, a huge shift in, in my life, uh, and at that point I was you know early twenties, twenty one, twenty two, and so because of my background and um, you know my my culture and identity here in the Middle East, also knowing the need uh, as as Islam has has grown and is continuing to grow in, in such such uh, great numbers, just kind of those th- two things made it at least narrowed down the, the world of lostness to kind of the, the Middle East, the, the region where I'm from and where we are now. Mm-hmm. And so from there, uh, of course, there's there's lots of details along the way, but the Lord brought Marcy into my life. We both had uh, a call to go. Uh, for me, it was a little bit more specific. Hers was, was general, and so the Lord brought us together. And I say kind of from that call until when we moved to Dubai, uh, it was a 10-year process, you know, of searching and, and growing. And it was during that time that my, my love for, for the local church grew, right? So it kind of uh, started establishing my ecclesiology and also my understanding of the gospel and the role of the local church in missions also grew and became more solidified. My, my theology became, you know, uh, strengthened and, and more defined. And so uh, it all kind of came together and just made sense as I read the Great Commission, right? And this isn't, these aren't original thoughts. These are just kind of the influences of, of either authors or also pastors and friends in my life. But just we see the Great Commission is, is in my understanding, uh, a call to plant churches or to see churches growing, right? It's uh, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing uh, the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In, in what context do we see discipleship and baptism taking place, right? And so, again, from that process, the last four years before moving out here was just 
praying and seeking the Lord, doing the things that we knew and trusting him to kind of fill in the blanks. And um, to kind of fast forward to a final detail of how we got out here since, you you know, Dave Furman and and, and lots of the friends out there in Dubai. Uh, I remember connecting with Dave on Twitter. Um, I, I didn't even know who he was. I, I still don't know exactly how we, uh, how he crossed my Twitter feed. Um, mm. But I remember seeing that he was, you know, planting churches in the Middle East and the Lord was using him. So I reached out to him um, and he said, hey, if you're coming out here, we were planning a visit at the time. So we'd love for you to come and see what the Lord's doing here. Uh, and so 2013, we took a, a trip. It was uh, my wife and I and our pastor at the time in Arkansas, Bobby Biggers. And uh, we visited. We kind of did a flyby trip like you guys just did, right? Mm-hmm. Went to Dubai for two and a half days, went to Lebanon for four, five. Uh, we're in Egypt for, for a few days and then Jordan. Uh, and then the Lord just stirred up our hearts and, and just made it clear through counsel and, and other means that the Lord was leading us to Lebanon. Yeah, it's awesome how those relationships kind of... Um get started in all kinds of ways. God's uh, providence and his His sovereignty is, is at play throughout that whole thing. You know, in Beirut, in some ways, is is a huge jump, but you have family from Lebanon as well, right? Isn't, isn't your, is your dad Lebanese? Is that right? Yeah, so so, I, so I'm so i an American citizen, but also I have dual citizenship. So I have Lebanese citizenship, which is, again, as, as I think of all the things that God did to, I mean, you know, his sovereignty over all things. I remember at one point in that, you know, from 21 to 31, let's say, uh, I remember thinking, well, what does it look like to get into a country? Where would I go? What would be my mm-hmm. purpose, right? People need to think through visas and these details. And so the, the Lord leads me to the place where I just had to update some papers and I just I come back in. Wow. So I'm, I'm here uh, residing as a Lebanese citizen. My, my two boys have citizenship and we'll eventually get Marcy uh, citizenship probably in the next year. And I'm sure that really plays, I know each culture is so different when it comes to uh, national identity, but it, it has to be a benefit to you to be one of the, the people that you're ministering to. And so uh, thinking about just ministering as a, as a missionary, looking into culture, um, maybe go there a little bit. What's what's unique about doing ministry in a Lebanese culture? You know, what are the cultural idols? What are the challenges at hand? So yeah, so I think as as, as I think of a Lebanese identity, uh, it's really interesting. Uh, Lebanon is one of the reasons that I love this country, and as as you guys saw, it's a mix of ancient, not just old, but ancient and modern. Yeah. That's as far as culture as as far as you think of of religion. I'm just sharing with with our members, uh, just in an interaction, we had a meeting this Sunday as well. Uh, just that Jesus himself ministered in Lebanon. So I mean, some of the first people to hear the gospel was while. Christ was here on earth and his earthly ministry were, were Lebanese. You know, as we think of the Syrian, uh, excuse me, Syro-Phoenician woman and, uh, and, and his time in, in Tyre and Sidon. And so, so one of the things that I love about, here, about Lebanon uh, is that th- there's a mix of the ancient and the modern, the kind of the, the new and the old, Western and Eastern. Um, and so I, I mention that almost as a preface because uh, to share a, a culture, there's definitely a Lebanese culture, but it's been so heavily influenced uh, yeah. by, by so many cultures. Uh, in so many ways, uh, this is very Eastern as far as, you know, when we think of shame and honor, uh, we think of some of the, the traditions that we experience here. But also, I mean, Lebanon's the only only uh, country in the region that during Ramadan, you can go to a bar and still, still drink. Mm. You know, other places you can't eat or drink outside in public at all. And so that kind of shows that the the, the, the vast difference between some of these other Arab countries in, in the region. Also, uh, Lebanon is, is one of the f- few countries in the world that, that I know of that are truly trilingual. Mm. Uh, and so you have, you have in a single sentence, locals speaking Arabic, English, and French. Mm. Uh, and so again, all 
those languages attribute to a bit kind of creating this this new culture. They'll switch words in between in the same sentence even. And yet, in so many ways, uh, there is just that secular culture, right? Where where hope is placed in temporal things. There is a, a loss of hope, which we'll probably chat about a little bit more of something that we've noticed here and, and one of the yeah. great needs. That just there's hopelessness, and 2020 has has just kind of shed a, a, a spotlight on on that and kind of bring that reality uh, to so many people's kind of uh, front of, yeah. of their life and minds. And so it's, it's a really unique place. We can go there a little bit right now, actually, and just talk about 2020 and how that's kind of even unearthed some of the things that was kind of already below the surface. What, what have you seen this last year that's kind of exasperated yeah. some of the things you're talking about? I guess I'll say, I've, I've, I've kind of said this jokingly before, but I thought about making a shirt or, or a bumper sticker or, or something where it says, you know, we've been living in 2020 since last year. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because that, I mean, that's, that's what it feels like. And everyone sure. kind of talks about, oh man, this year. And I was like, man, we've been we've been doing it since the end of 2019 you know mm-hmm. uh, with the start of the revolution in October of, of, of 2019 but what's interesting is Lebanon as well as other I mean this region I guess uh, generally speaking just is is turbulent there's yeah. always something happening there's always something uh, major whether it's it's tensions political tensions military moves and so you know go back a few years uh, in the you know mid 2000s uh, as we think of the Syrian refugee crisis, right, or the wars that were kind of coming coming up uh, all around and, and even still ongoing in some some of the countries, I think what we've seen is, uh, you know, people generally place their hope in, in only a few areas, right? Either family, education, religion, politics, uh, their savings, uh, whatever it might be, and so it's almost like one by one those things have been plucked away. Uh, again over the years and, and almost in a, in a climactic way here in 2020. Uh, and so, for example, uh, for us here in Lebanon, I mean, when, when the rev- revolution started, which is still ongoing, I mean, still protests on the streets, not, not in the same capacity because of other things happening, uh, but that's definitely still going on. People would say, well, at, at, at least... At least we have our, our savings, or at least we have our family, right? Yeah. And then yeah. and all of a sudden, no one could access their money anymore. We have, we're in the middle of an economic crash uh, where, where the local currency has lost 80% of its value. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, I've lost my money, but at least I have my health. And then COVID comes, and at least I have my home. I've lost money, and I've lost health, but at least I have my home. Then the blast takes place, and li- literally people are left with nothing. And as, as horrible and as heartbreaking as it is, and it's been so hard for us to see the disaster everywhere, we can say Christ remains Right, there is a true and eternal hope, uh, and so sometimes those kind of false yeah. saviors uh, get in the way of seeing mm-hmm. Christ. Uh, and what we've experienced, and, and stories that we've heard with other friends in the ministry here, uh, is that the people people don't don't have those things blocking anymore, uh, blocking yeah. their vision, um, giving them false hope, and, and they are open. Um, to asking questions that they haven't asked before, and they wouldn't have asked if it wasn't for 2020, let's say, or, or all the things that have taken place. And so yeah, God, God is doing his work in the middle of it all. That's great, man. That's so cool to hear. Because sometimes that's that's a gift to realize that in the short term, right? Because sometimes we have to have mm. the gift of hindsight to be able to see that stuff in the past. But to be able to realize that in the moment that God is actually unearthing some some cultural idols or some personal sin in our life by this year is, is really a gift in some ways. Um, yeah, I mean, speaking of this year, obviously there was a, a huge explosion in the Port of Beirut. I'm not yeah. telling you anything you don't know, but um, just for folks to be reminded of listening to this podcast, you know, videos went viral immediately on social media. You know, how, how's the recovery been for your family? How's the recovery been? Are you still recovering? What's what's that been like the last few months? Yeah, it's, it's been it's been nuts, man. It's been really uh, hard, hard to put into words. 
uh, I think just now in, in lots of ways, the dust is settling. So we're, mm. we're talking four months, a little bit over four months since the blast. I mean, you, you guys were there. And yeah. so I'm sure you've seen some of the pictures. You're like, I was, I was standing right there and like right. all that is gone, you know? Yeah. And so it, it took us a while uh, as far as just thinking of the church ourselves and our gathering space. We're, you know, we're a quarter mile away from the blast. I mean, directly. Even right. Actually, my mom and brother are here visiting from San Diego. Uh, and, and we went to the church to kind of help get things in order. And they're looking, they're like, it's it's right there. I was like, yeah, mm -hmm. like I've, I've said that, you know, but there, there's something about like I can literally see it, you know, uh, from standing in front of our church. And so it took us a little while to think through, well, I guess, to find out if we're able to gather still mm -hmm. uh, in yeah. that place. Because, I mean, <laughs> uh, two buildings beside us look like they're just going to collapse and, and they need, have some major foundational damage. Uh, we were trying to find out if we're able to meet and, and if our landlord will allow us still to meet. They're wanting to sell the property. So there's lots of that kind of stuff happening. But praise God, the, the Lord's provided finances and, 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 and the workers to be able to uh, get our space up and running again. And it's just one of those things, right? It's a 2020 thing. We, we finally met after maybe three months. We met for one Sunday, and then our country went into another lockdown, like a oh, major, complete lockdown. Wow. So, and we had like, you know, I think seven, seven eight new uh, visitors, first time guests. Yeah. And so we've kind of felt that um, almost like every time there's a step or two forward, there seems to be something stopping at least what we're able to experience. We know that nothing stops God or frustrates his plans, mm -hmm. um, which is which is kind of a not a mantra, but it's just like it's one of those on, on repeat uh, truths that we just need to keep reminding ourselves of. Because it feels like, you know, how's God going to work in all this? Like everything keeps changing. Right. Three-month lockdown coming up, you know. But we, we've gathered again this past Sunday we were there. Yeah, the, the Lord's allowed us to keep our space and, and build new relationships in our community that we yeah. didn't have before the blast. Oh, because we've been able to connect and, and care for them. And so, yeah, yeah, it's been good. It's good to be back. Well, it seems to be, obviously be a, a through line for this conversation and just probably for us as Christians worldwide. But God's sovereignty on display, it's something that we talk about often, we yeah. preach about, we interact with books and resources about sovereignty, but we are we are really living in in either a healthy reflection of that of our understanding of that sovereignty or not. And um, and, and part of that sovereignty too, I, I know Marwan just for, um, you, you kind of mentioned me just via text even and over time, but God's been good as well. And he's, he's helped you guys. And yeah, just as far as God's provision, what are some ways that you've specifically seen God work in, in your church and in your home? Um, just encourage us from the front lines a bit. You know, church planting has its challenges. Pastoring has its challenges. You know, so there's a kind of a, a circle there that we could think of. And then, then church sure. planting. So a young church uh, has, comes with challenges whether there's a blast or COVID or any of those things, then also kind of doing that in an overseas ministry or in a cross-cultural context. And so all those seem to be kind of challenges on their own. Then you put it together yeah. uh, and then add, you know, all that 2020 was lots of challenges, lots of, lots of hard times. One way is that the loneliness that comes, you know, church pencils will share that we're kind of alone on an island. No one knows what's happening. Yeah. I, I don't think I felt that. In a, in a major way, but surely, I mean, these, these are common feelings, right? Amongst pastors and, you know, no one's around me or, or like-minded or, or able to connect with me. And I'm far away from all my friends, other pastor brothers. And, and then something like the blast happens yeah. and all of a sudden we have prayer hmm. and, and support and encouragement from thousands, I mean, thousands. I can't oh. even tell you. I, I still have some emails that I think I just completely lost track of that mm. yeah, I didn't respond to. People from all around the world reaching out to us, which has been nuts, man. It just, I mean, that was <laughs> stressful on, on its own way. Yeah. Um, just like trying to think, through, how am I going to get back to everyone or, or whatever it is, but also just overwhelming in, in, in that God is like, 
you are not alone. I think another another thing that we've seen is that God is still building His church. I mean, mm-hmm. we just this past Sunday we just welcomed in four new members. You know, those who have been kind of visiting with us for some time, and 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 finally were able to vote them in. Um, and so, in the middle of all this, actually, we had our membership class three weeks after the blast. I think I have to remember now. And just it was like. Just crazy to think that people people in the middle of all this, like they see the importance of the church and they, they see what the Lord is doing through CBC and they, they want to be a part of it. And so those are just, just things that are helpful to remember. And, and all the craziness, God is still God. He's still building his church. Nothing's going to stop the gospel. Um, and so that gives me lots of peace as a pastor that just is like, there's no way. There's no way I can do all this stuff. And then I, I'm, I'm reminded I don't have to. That God's doing it. That's good. Um, so that's that's one of the ways I think that he's, he's uh, shown his provision. Hear you talk about just even as you started off talking about the loneliness of a ministry sometimes i i'm just so grateful for um this is going to sound very cliche and kind of pastory but i'm so grateful for the gospel in in that it unites christians across the world immediately when it comes to just like being being one spirit and and one in values and um yeah man it's 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 for sure i, I think this whole year has been um so hard but unifying at the same time especially for us as christians just experiencing these things together. You know, um, one of the things I mentioned at the beginning and one of the reasons why people are are just hearing about you and your family is we're really trying to set a culture of church planting and missions in our church um, locally. And, you know, man, it would be a gift um, to have you, a fellow pastor, um, an elder, encourage us from the front lines of ministry uh, in, in this way. You know, what's what's one way that you would exhort our church in Glendora, uh, 7,000 miles away, to, to step in more personally and, and more impactfully to kind of adopt this mindset of uh, of mission and being engaged in the community and culture? Like, how, how, how would you yeah. encourage us in that way? You know, I, I can think of when I first, you know, we're working to move overseas, right? We're part of a local church. I was kind of a lay elder at, at our church in Russellville, Arkansas. Um, and people would ask, like, what are you going to do when you go out there? Yeah. And, you know, I didn't know all the details. At that point, we didn't know we were going to plan an English-speaking church. You know, I mean, this was, we're talking seven, seven plus years ago. And I just told them, I'm, I'm going to do the same thing I'm doing here. I'm, I'm going to invest in the local church. I'm, I'm going to try to submit to the elders and the leaders and then just pour into this, this family of believers that God's brought into my life for this season, right? So I want to invest in the local church. Uh, I, I want to uh, invest in younger guys and just disciple them and, and, and meet with them and encourage them in any ways that I can. I want to share the gospel with people that don't know Jesus and so interact with non-believers. And so the, the same thing I do in Russellville or in, in California or, or here in Lebanon uh, it is the same thing, and this is the call—the call the Christian, right? To, uh, to to make Christ known and to to pour into the local church. And I was encouraged by saying that because it kind of, for me, demystified what this whole missions thing is. Like, yeah. and it's funny—I I, I don't cool. even refer to myself as a missionary, uh, partly because I'm Lebanese and I'm here, partly because I we just don't do some of the things that that other overseas workers would do. Um, and we're just just a Passover local church, you know? And, and, and so I think there is something kind of mystical and, and kind of curious about all people that give up their lives and go, but we're, we're all supposed to go, right? We're all goers and we should all be active in, in the life of the local church. That's, you know, God's primary missionary, the mission strategy, uh, the way he makes himself known is through the local church. So, so I think, I think that's how it says it, plug into the church and, and invest in people's lives, connect with people that don't, don't know Jesus and, and just let them know about Jesus. You know, there's, there's as many lost people there as there are here. So there's needs everywhere. I love that, man. I love that you're, you have, you have this opportunity to kind of like throw out this big idea of, of like missions and go live in a, a hut somewhere and you remind us very in a grounded way hey just engage where you're at 
And um, that's such a good encouragement for, I think, all of us and really practical for a lot of people listening as well. That's actually our greatest need. I think my, my greatest need is that I'm looking at our church and, and seeing what it is that we need. I want more people who love Christ, love the gospel and want to invest in the church and meet with one another more than money, you know, more than a, a bigger space, more than any of these things. We see committed believers in the local church who are, who are saying, hey, we're, we're here for Jesus and for what he has us for, whether it's for two months or 20 years. Um, and so I think I think that's an opportunity that too many of us overlook. But here, as you said, in the front lines, what I think we need most in City Bible Church are our are, are believers to plug in. And so I guess if I throw even a plug, if, if you guys have thought about missions and, and thought about going overseas or interested in that, I'd be happy to chat with you and, and see what it looks like to get you over here or yeah. get you out to Dubai or get you out with Benoit uh, out there in coaching as he's going to plant next year, just to think about how you can just live your life as you normally would, but in a place where Christ isn't known or named in the same way as, let's say, in the West, um, and just plug into the church as, as you would um, over there at, uh, in California. Great, man. Well, thanks so much for sharing that. And it's a, it's, it's a gift to us to, to hear. In some ways, I think as one of the pastors here at church, it's it's a blessing to have similar and faithful words being spoken over our church, um, just in a diff- from a different voice, and and just kind of hear that same thing against the, against the gospel that unites us and brings us together in that way. Um, hey, man. Well, as we wrap this up, I know that it's it's late for you out in Beirut, but um, just want to get to this kind of speed round and love to hear uh, just sure. what you've been reading lately. If you've been uh, if you have a book rec, um, things like that, or a resource that you would pass along to people who are trying to grow in their faith. I, I hate to recommend a book that's probably been recommended by so many people. Is it the Bible? Uh, but, or? But, which I have that one. I, ha- I haven't read it recently, but no, I have that one. Um, <laughs> no, um, Gentle and Lowly oh, is, yeah. is, is one that I've recently read. And just like, man, I just, you know, Marcy's going to be reading it next. And, so Dane um, Orland, right? I, I, yeah, yeah, I was a little bit late on that. Actually, I just read the, the most recent book I finished it this morning was uh, Echo Island. It was a fiction by Jared Wilson. Oh, okay. and I, you know we'll Jared, right? Yeah, yeah um, a little bit. Uh-huh. And so, so that, that was great. Uh, but I mean, I saw I saw this, and I, I think the book I, I've been recommending to people is um, Jim Hamilton. Uh, what is biblical theology? Man, it's a it's a short book, hundred pages or so, awesome, and just such a clear breakdown of of, of biblical theology that excites me about reading and studying the Bible, and uh, and I've seen that in other people as well. So I guess th- those are three books. That's great. Um, that I would recommend. Those are really yeah. great, man. Appreciate that. And uh, this this may be just for selfish reasons, but I've already brought up food a couple times. Um, I one of the things I love about Beirut and Lebanon and and just um, uh, ha- having a friendship with you is uh, Lebanese culture. I it's it's so it's so great. I told Katie before we got there, I was like, you're gonna love um, Beirut. And one of the things I, I love about it is the food, is the just the rich history. So uh, kind of take me back a little bit to you know maybe the first couple of days in Beirut. You know what? What's the place, or maybe what? What's the even the kind of food that you would suggest or recommend to somebody who has never been, you know, kind of dove into Middle Eastern culture at all before? What's something that you would recommend? It's a hard question because I'm a I'm a I'm a foodie myself. Um, the the food is just unbelievable. Now it, it's known. I, I can I can brag about Lebanese food because anywhere in the Middle yeah. East would say yes, yes. Lebanese food is the best in the region. Uh, with Lebanese food, you can kind of I think break it down to three different ways. You have the street food, uh, which is the shawarmas, the falafel, the uh, the manaish, which is kind of like a, a, a pastry, a, a, a warm bread pastry that's topped with either zaatar or cheese. You have your public foods, which is 
uh, kind of what, what it's known, what people think of hummus and the tabbouleh and the salads and the, the shish kebabs and the tawuk and, you know, all, all, all that kind of stuff. Then you have the, the private dishes and platters that are kind of the home-cooked meals, the, the stews and the different things. And so, man, we, we could we could do a whole podcast on just Lebanese food. They're, they're, yeah, they're out yeah. there. So I'm happy to recommend some, oh, some man, food bloggers so to good. follow. I, I, I can get into the food. And so I get carried away just like when I preach. <laughs> Oh, that, that makes me hungry. So I wish we could uh, enjoy lunch together right now or late dinner for you, I guess. Just to end on a more spiritual note, uh, just to make sure that people know that we're Christians still, um, how can we be praying for your family, for, for you and Marcy, for Shai and Noah uh, in this season? Yeah, thank you. Um, we need wisdom. You know, we have a five-year-old and a three-year-old uh, in the middle of a pandemic after a blast uh, with virtual learning and a couple tired parents, you know, from, from a, a long, yeah. long couple of years, uh, ministry in a young church, you know? So there's that. And also just, um, for pastoring the church, um, I, I just need wisdom from above, uh, wisdom that I don't have on my own strength that I don't have on my own, uh, love that, that I can't have on my own. And so learning to, to lean on and, and trust in Christ more than I do, uh, I think will help me be a better husband, better father, uh, better shepherd. And so th- those are a couple ways that you can be, be yeah. praying for, for me as a pastor and, and Marcy and I as parents. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're excited. In the, in the middle of all, we're tired, right? The, all, all the emotions, all the feelings, but we're excited for what the Lord has in store, what's coming up ahead, even though we're expecting a three-month lockdown and, yeah. and all these things, but we're just trusting that God is, is doing stuff and we want to be part of it. Yeah, man, we'll definitely be praying for you. And I and, uh, just want to encourage anybody who is on social media, jump on Instagram, you could follow Marwan, you could follow City Bible Church in Beirut, and uh, just see what God is up to in their context. Well, brother, it's been a joy to catch up a bit and allow our church in Glendora, many, many miles away from you, to get to know you as well. Thanks so much for your time. It's a, it's a blessing to us. Thank you, man. It's good to connect with you and happy to do it. All right. Well, we're out of time, but thanks for joining us for our podcast footnotes. Be sure to subscribe, and we'd also appreciate you sharing this resource with others and even leaving us a favorable review if you feel so inclined. So until next time, Foothill. Peace be with you. The, the food is just unbelievable.